Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raptors Over Everything. You guys already know the deal. Like, share, subscribe, leave a comment. Um, my name is Iman, and today I'm joined by Jamar. Jamar, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Big fan of your work. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I remember even going back to uh, the Busta Rhymes mix-up. Yeah. I was an all-timer, so no. Shout out to Jerome. Thank you. Yeah, Shout for that for that mix. That yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you, thank you. I'm I'm glad to have you on. Now you said that yesterday was the first game that you got to cover live. Am I right? It was. It was. So oh, wow. this was great timing. Um, I. I mean, I feel like I got the full Raptor, the 2023-24 Raptor experience in that one game. It felt like it was the perfect first game to cover. Yeah. Yeah. You like all of the angst, all of the troubles, all of like what is happening to like all of the fun and the improbability of a 23-point comeback. So we are speaking to you guys uh, the day after the Raptors just beat the Washington Wizards in one of the most improbable games, um, probably the most improbable wins, uh, but not the first time the Raptors have come back for something this big. In fact, this was their fourth largest comeback in franchise history. Um, And you know what? Chris Boucher got to be there for two of them and got the game chain for this last one. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, about the game chain. First of all, it's already causing drama on Twitter because, you know, there's there's a whole Pascal's not getting enough respect type of um, argument. We have the Pascal versus Scotty argument, which is is getting a little much. Um, But if you look at the video, nobody's happier for Boucher getting the chain than Pascal. So can we leave this alone, first of all? Secondly, Boucher was big down the stretch. He was in the closing lineup. Um, he had two huge blocks around like the four-minute mark to, to spark that comeback. He also hit a three earlier in the quarter. And this is a guy, if you remember earlier in the season, he got, I believe, two DMP CDs. First so game it was of the like, season. Right. And, you know, so his role wasn't really defined. And he's found... He's found a place. He's found a place to contribute, and you know Darko's given him a lot of credit for that because you know a lot. Some guys would be complaining just a couple of games in, like how come I'm not playing already, especially at the beginning of the season when the rotation is normally larger. So credit to Chris Boucher for that. Uh, like I said, his defense on the stretch was huge when, you know, Washington didn't really have a plan offensively and it just kept driving to the rim and he just kept swatting shots. So no, it, it was, it was told his hustle was totally deserved and for, for the chain. And I obviously Pascal had a huge game too, but you know, it's like, I think I can't remember who tweeted this, but I saw, it might've been you actually, but I saw a tweet that, oh you know, it, I saw a tweet that you know it's like it's like kindergarten where you can't give the chain to the same person all the time 
It's like you have to spread it out a little bit for yeah. for the sake of morale. So yeah, just leave no, it. That wasn't me, but that's I think that's a very valid point. And and if you want to respect Pascal Siakam, if you want Pascal to earn his dues, I know a really great way to do it. It's called a contract extension. It is yeah. the yeah. it is the premier way to uh, respect your players and what he's doing. No, I completely agree. Getting mad about uh, a chain, I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> like, I don't think Pascal went home like, what did I need? Forty points? Um, which like, yeah, maybe Pascal make your free throws. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. uh, no, I I completely agree with you on that. I also think here, here's the thing when when. Chris Boucher subbed back in, right? And I was like, okay, so Chris Boucher is going to be your backup center. That's what this team is dealing with. And Jakob Bertl struggled. Like, he he didn't have his best game, and the Raptors have often gone small closing these games because Jakob in the clutch. Like, it's not his impact this season. is not the same thing that we saw last season, and part of that is you don't have a traditional point guard who can run, pick, and roll with him um, in the same way, right? So you're not having that elite duo of Fred VanVleet, Jakob Pertle that you had last season that was so potent for this team. And so there's a little bit of Jakob finding his role both on the offensive end and on the defensive end as well. Uh, I think there's lots of stats out about OG Ananobi, Pascal, Scotty, that sort of trio being so elite defensively. And of course, you don't have OG for tonight, but going right. small has benefited the Raptors, right? So I was like, okay, Chris Boucher, this is going to be on you. <laughs> like, are they just going to attack you in the pick and roll? Like, you're you're anchoring this thing. And he was phenomenal. You mentioned it with the blocks that he had. He also had that three-point shot that was crucial to this team winning it. But um, Chris Boucher was absolutely phenomenal down the stretch. I looked up his net rating just for fun, and it's a one-game sample size. But he was a plus right. 31.4 or something crazy like that. <laughs> Far and away the best on the team. Um, and that's because he was impactful in his minutes and everything else that he did. Like it was just, it was evident to see it on the court that Boucher was everywhere. And that's kind of the type of game that you want to have. I also want to give Scotty credit for sort of being everywhere as well. He had five steals and some of them were incredibly clutch. He didn't get to have the offensive game that Pascal had, and Pascal deserves all of the roses. And trust me, we will get to that. But um Scotty chipping in with his 19 points and his five steals. Like he was, he was doing the things that you want your like there's going to be nights where Scotty's going to be the primary star, and there are going to be nights where Pascal is going to be the primary star. You see this quite often when you have two big wings on a team, or like you see it, right? Like some nights are most nights are going to be Jason Tatum nights, but you're going to have your big Jalen Brown games. And that's kind of how the duo star wings work. It's the same thing that the Pelicans are trying to figure out with BI and Zion. It's just the nature of the game when you have these two guys, and it's better to have two guys than just one in my opinion like it's better to have nights where you can sort of trade off um and uh I think Scotty in terms of taking that secondary star role tonight or last night I think was was, did a good job of that like I I think that he was he was fine some of the jump shots are not hitting in the same way that they did at the beginning of the season but still finding other ways to be impactful um was great and there are going to be nights where that's Pascal Siakam's role as well and for Raptor fans being like hey Pascal's not getting the credit or the whatever like he's fine pay him and I think this team could work with Pascal and Scotty I think we're finding ways that it can work and that's something that's not going to take the first 10 games of the season it might take a little bit longer but you're starting to see how the two of them can sort of coexist um and some nights it's going to be one guy getting nearly 40 and the other guy getting nearly 20 and other nights it might be a 30 30 but um it's going to be a little bit different and we got to see that and we got to see that against the wizards in the wizards are the most interesting team to me so like <laughs> um for all of like 
someone said to I had I, I tweeted something out I, f- I forget who I tweeted about um and someone responded being like imagine like be I, I don't know how the exact words but it was something along the lines of like you're a NBA champion and a veteran you cannot be making mistakes like this and I had to click into what the tweet was about because I'm like is this about Jordan Poole or Kyle Kuzma like I have no idea like because they have multiple guys who are NBA champions right. who make some very sort of boneheaded mistakes and it was about Kyle Kuzma. Um, oh, and okay. I was assuming it was Poole, but okay. It, more, more often than not, I think it is about Poole, but it was about Kyle Kuzma. And I, I completely agree with this. This is the moment. And for as good as the Raptors were tonight, this was a bad Washington Wizards game. <laughs> like The well, fourth quarter from the Wizards. Yes, please, please. It's funny because the game on Sunday, is this kind yeah. of deja vu for the Wizards? Because the game yeah. on Sunday in yeah. Brooklyn... Yeah. They were up, I believe, five with four minutes left, and then they gave up a 15-2 to two run to end the game. So, <laughs> two nights in a row. Obviously, this one was way worse. Oh. Two nights in a row, that's rough. And uh, now that you bring up Kuzma, it was part of that run, because I believe the Raptors were down 10 at the moment, and yeah. the out-of-bounds play. That's it. That was uh, the one. Yeah, and I, I guess Kuzma did have a case. And I actually thought he the did. play was going to be reviewed. We're going to be reviewed. Yeah. But then just the lack of awareness and not know what was going on and just literally walk over to his his bench's sideline and say, like, review it, review it. And meanwhile, Raptors are inbounding. Scotty drives for a dunk. <laughs> it's like. Calling for the ball. Because Pascal knows it's out on Pascal. Like, Kyle Kuzma right. was not wrong. He was entirely correct. I thought when Jordan Poole, uh, that, that screen that Jordan Poole set that sent Scotty to the ground and Poole wanted that reviewed. I thought Poole fouled Scotty. I was like, that's clear. And if you review it, might be a flagrant because that was that was harsh. <laughs> that was not a basketball play. But like the Kyle Kuzma thing, I think he had a point. I think he was right. But hey, when you are right, trust me, the other team who knows that you are right is going to try and inbound the ball as quickly as possible because they don't right. want to review. So Pascal is trying to speed things up because he does not want to review. And Kyle Kuzma has left the play entirely and has gone to the other side. And Kyle, like, you, you were needed there. Um, and yeah, that was that was all bad. It was all bad for, for them. Any other thoughts about that Washington Wizards game? Well, just that play, I just got just reminded in my head. It's like shades of, uh, remember, uh, like a decade ago, totally different, but JaVale McGee just completely leaving leaving the other side after, an, uh, I think they got an offensive board and John Wall was like, where are you going? Yeah, because he thought his team's basket was on the other end. Yeah. Like, so, JaVale's had, uh, I think, a couple of those moments. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, another wacky Wizards or Raptors moment. Uh, I thought the Raptors actually... Sh- struggled big time with like their length yeah early in the game daniel yeah. gafford especially Huge. uh he, he kept yeah you know, he kept the turning shots at the rim i remember one of the raptors best passing plays of the game yeah and it ended up in a block because like jacob was in perfect position to score but yeah. gafford recovered for the block and yeah it's just it was just bizarre to see how they closed the game out because it's just like everything got so stagnant and then it just ended up in someone just trying to make something happen at the rim and it just wasn't working. And again, credit to Chris Boucher. And that's basically how the Raptors came back. It's just everything they were doing before they just stopped doing. And then they were also, they were also um, the Raptors stopped turning the ball over because earlier in the game, they got a lot of just uncontested uh, fast break dunks. 
and stuff, especially when the Raptors were trying to make a comeback and it's like it's like they would cut it to 10 and yeah. then somebody would turn it over and then they would get a string of just easy baskets to cut it to bring it back up to 16. 16. It yeah. sucks for sucks for Kuzma, though, because he was having a really good game. Yeah. And a lot of that's going to be forgotten because of that one play. That's the one play that's going to go viral from this game is just him going to the other side of the court. But yeah, that was just my one takeaway where they just they they gotta they gotta figure out a way to close games because they're they're two and eight right now. They should be four and six because these last two games they should have won, but they gotta yeah. figure out a way to close out games. I'm not complaining, but Daniel Gafford oh, not yeah, seeing time in the fourth quarter didn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah, where was he? <laughs> Considering <laughs> he was, what he was doing earlier. He was so impactful in the first half. I was like, Jesus Christ, I can't do anything right now. Yeah. Um, and hey, I'm not complaining. And also someone I want to give credit to is Someone who I think at the start, and we'll, we'll, we'll pivot a little bit um, to just the Raptors are now 500, right? right? And the first five games of the season was really rough for this player. And I think the last five games of the season has been great. And that is Malachi Flynn. I thought he was phenomenal. And he also closed. Uh, we're grading on a curve, guys. But um, <laughs> I thought like, okay, so he also closed in that Wizards game. And so if anyone told you, yeah. outside of Kyle Lowry bringing, you know, the bench back and Chris Boucher, a huge part of that win as well. So if you're down big, throw Chris Boucher on the floor, okay? He's just going to be <laughs> phenomenal for you. But um, uh, I think I think it was about four and a half minutes left in the game. They check Malachi Flynn. In. <laughs> and the Wizards' eyes lit up. And they kept calling for switches to attack Malachi Flynn. And to his credit, they scored zero points. They scored zero points in that stretch, and they kept calling for switches to go specifically at Malachi, and there we go. <laughs> like, his, so, his perimeter defense at the point of attack was amazing. Was phenomenal. It was just, and, it, and it was just it was just killing the clock because they just trying to keep going at him and it wasn't yeah. working. And that's and that's how they ended up just ending these possessions, uh, just trying to toss something up at the rim because he was just eating so much time with all these you know switches, switches. on purpose, yeah. defending the perimeter. So no, that was that was awesome. Um, even b- before he checked back in, like his previous did. He yeah. was part of the comeback, making yeah. a big three transition in the third quarter. So, yeah, it, and even uh, if you go back a couple of games, the Mavs game, he played, I feel like yeah. he played great defense on Kyrie. Like, they were going back and forth at it a little bit. So, yeah, this has been a great stretch for Malachi. Uh, like you mentioned, the early, the beginning part of the season, you know, he had some rough moments. But, you know, it's he's obviously getting a, a lot more rope. And this is not like a jab at Nick Nurse or anything, but it, he's obviously getting a lot more rope right now. And you can see it in his confidence where it's like I don't, he's not looking over his shoulders like, OK, if I make one one mistake, I'm not going to be taken off the court. So that also does wonders for your confidence, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I think I want to say this is the first time I've seen Malachi and Dennis Schroeder at the same time. I'm not entirely sure about that one. I don't I recall right. seeing that. I don't recall seeing that. I think you're right. Yeah, because it was Malachi, Schroeder, Scotty, Pascal, and Boucher. And I just, the, I just, but obviously, you know, no OG and no Gary. And no, no Gary. So obviously, you kind of got to tinker and have some wacky lineups out there. But yeah, I believe that was the first time I saw that little guard pair. And it kind of reminded me of the uh, Fred and Kyle old days where you just had two point guards, two ball handlers. Yeah. And it was necessary. I mean, it helped clean up turnovers, which is something that Malachi has also really improved on, I think, in these last five games is he's not turning it over nearly as much. Yeah. I, I think you said it, the, the Mavs game was sort of his first like, oh, OK, and I think I think that might be the first game where he had a positive plus minus. Um, and yeah, since then, yeah, yeah. And since then, you said it, he was a part of last night's comeback uh, and multiple points. 
He had another, I think he was a plus 12 on the night. He's been, he's, he's had multiple games. He's stringing these along where the Raptors are winning his minutes. And quite often he's playing with other bench players. And that means something that matters because the Raptors didn't have a backup point guard. And now it looks like they do. And, and he's hitting his shots, which is so, so, so incredibly important. Yeah, yeah please. And actually, that that's a big part of him and Boucher both being in the lineup to end the game. It helped with yeah. the spacing because everybody knows Raptors have spacing issues. This is why sometimes, you know, Jakob ends up sitting in fourth quarters because they kind of want to you know, spread the court a little bit more. And obviously, when you have yeah. Yak and, and, and Schroeder and Pascal and Scotty in at the same time, a lot of times defenses won't respect them from the perimeter, which just kind of mucks everything up, which, you know, it's... It, the way Scotty especially has been playing earlier early this season it has been amazing to that point where it's like it's not been ideal spacing for him to begin with, but he's been, his jumper has been falling so much, not as much lately, but it had been falling so much earlier in the season despite the spacing. So that was obviously why uh, Darko was trying to just, you know, space the floor a little bit to help the offense. Obviously, coming back, you want to hit a couple threes if you can, although the Raptors didn't. They only made four the entire game. It's 2023, and we've had back-to-back nights oh. where a team has won, making only four threes. The Lakers did it against the Blazers on um, Sunday night, where I think they went four for 19 from three. And here the Raptors walk in and go four for 21 from three. Hey, you don't need to make threes to win games, apparently. Hey, we could go gold school. I mean, yeah, if you're playing the Wizards and the, and the Blazers, the Raptors, <laughs> if it's difficult, more difficult competition than that, please make your threes. Yeah. You know, just, I was looking at Malachi's numbers in the first five games. He had a negative 28 net rating. And right. um, it's gone up to like minus 0.15. And I, that's partly because you have the the blowout loss to the Boston Celtics that is in that mix. So that sort of makes sense, but he's been a positive in most of the games that he's played in the last five, in the last five games, which is really great. His true shooting percentage has gone up to 67%, the second best mark on the team. And a lot of those are these threes that you need someone on this team to hit because you can't win very many games when you're only shooting four threes. So I wanted to sort of uh, have a second um, stint of the pod where we're really talking about things leveling out for the Raptors. And I think part of that is the bench still have tons of struggles. There's still lots of things to sort of point to, but we're seeing Chris Boucher really emerge. He just got the game star on a night where Pascal Siakam had 39 points. We're Mm -hmm. seeing Malachi Flynn really find his groove and find his own. I think he deserves a lot of flowers for that because in years past, he just would not have been able to, to see that. And I'm going to be honest, the first five games of the season, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's checking back in. Okay, let's see what the Raptors can do here. And I don't feel that way anymore. And I think that that's such important trust that Darko is uh, has given him. And it's really paying off because you need to have the three-point shooting that Malachi has. Now, I'm not saying I expect them to continuously win all of his minutes. He's still learning. He's still growing. But it's nice to see the growth, which is not something that we've seen in the past, right? Because he would have a stint maybe because of an injury, but then you wouldn't see him play for another month or two. And then maybe he gets some time because it's a blowout win or loss and that's his minutes, but you're not actually seeing him have to play. Like when have we seen Malachi Flynn play crunch time minutes, except when the Raptors were tanking in Tampa? Like we, we haven't seen that and we saw it and we saw the Wizards try and attack him and he held his own. And I think that that's so important. So it's been nice to see that. Um, something else that I think is leveling out is somebody who we should be talking about, uh, and that's Pascal Siakam. And uh, he's had some major, major games in the last five. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks game, of course, um, and 
then we have the the last game against the Washington Wizards where he was just unstoppable in the third quarter. And I think a large part of that leveling out for Pascal Siakam is the Raptors offense doing something they probably should have done, which is you have to, you have to exploit your, your, your mismatches. You have to, for sure. you, you have to play to your strengths. And I'm so sorry, motion offense, beautiful. Remember when the Spurs won a championship, we're like a best offense in the world. This is poetry more than it is anything else, right? Like it's it's beautiful to watch. Um, you know, if you're a crazy Canadian like myself, you woke up at like three o'clock in the morning to watch a bunch of FIBA games this summer. Um, and Jamar, I feel like I saw you tweeting during those games as well. So we're Yeah, both, I'm, we're weird, I'm crazy even weirder than you in that sense because yeah. I hadn't even slept yet. Oh, no. Would... And three o'clock, <laughs> I sleep three o'clock is actually late. It was like six o'clock in the morning. So my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm used to that. I, I'm used to sleeping in the morning. And yeah, I, I saw those 430 games. Yeah, I stayed up. I respect it. I respect it. Um. And so, like, it, it's, um, to me, it's like, okay, motion offense is beautiful, but it means nothing if no one can hit a shot. You're not, you're not bending the defense. You're not, you're not doing anything when everyone's like, okay, just take it. Like, I, like what are you, what is the point? You're playing hot potato? Well, I didn't understand what the benefit was when it, it clearly didn't amount to anything. The Raptors had the worst offense in the league and they're still like, it's not like they have this elite offense anymore, but we're starting to see them do something that really matters, which is feed it to Pascal in the post and let Pascal work because quite often he's going to have a mismatch. When you play someone with OG size, and granted OG didn't play in the Wizards game, but you know, it was the first game he missed. Um, you're playing someone with Pascal size and Scotty size, you were going to get a mismatch. You were bound to have a mismatch down there and you have to sort of exploit that. And Pascal is an elite post player. So is OG's post game has improved year in and year out. Um, and, and Scotty, we've seen him take that superstar leap, that star leap at the beginning of the season. And he's been absolutely phenomenal, bigger than everyone there. Um, and so like, it's nice to see the Raptors offense play to their advantages as opposed to just doing something for the sake of doing something. I'm saying a lot of words here, but what are your thoughts on how Pascal has looked as his usage rate has increased and as the Raptors are doing something that benefits them, which is feeding him in the post. And and what are your thoughts on, on how the Raptors offense has sort of changed not that much, but a few, a little bit in the last few games? Well, if you look at the over the first few games, it featured a lot of, you know, um, Scotty running offense and Pascal on the wings. He was yeah. taking more threes than he had ever taken. And I think for Darko's vision, the Milwaukee game where they had, a, I think, a season high 35 assists and they were making a lot of threes that game. Yeah. That was kind of what, you know, they were kind of hoping for with a little, a lot yeah. more ball movement. I think Pascal had 26 points that game and he made five threes. So that's over half his points. But cool, that's one game. That's not Pascal's strength to just be out there in the wing off ball. And he he mentioned it a, a couple of times that, you know, he's not used to being off ball. Not in a not in like a Fred Van Lee type of way last year yeah. where, you know, he was going on podcasts and saying he likes to be on the ball more. But just like solely mentioning that, you know, that's not really his strength. And yeah, you've seen it over the last few games. He's been playing better, but he has his, his three-point shots falling off where I think can I like, Can I say, you said he had five threes in that game. In the last five games, do you want to know what he's shooting from three? One for 17 or something. Probably something like that. It's 5%. <laughs> so, exactly. So, 
Uh, the, it really started with the Mavs game where obviously they had a bunch of smaller defenders on him. Sometimes Luca was on him. Sometimes Derek Jones Jr. was on him. Grant Williams. These are all guys that Pascal could exploit in the paint. He had 31 points. 30 of them were in the paint. So, yeah. And, you know, it, it just and that game specifically, Scotty found did a great job of finding him because there'd be some yeah. plays where, you know, he would flash into the paint and then Scotty would find him in the post. And then he was just basically cooking everybody. So the third quarter was a lot of that again, where, you know, yeah. the Wizards have bigger defenders. Um, but, you know, Pascal was still finding his spots. Um, the mid-range game hasn't been there yet, but I feel like that would come because, yeah. you know, he, he has kind of developed that over the last couple years where yeah. he kind of drives into you, creates that little space and then steps back. He actually tried it. He actually did that a little bit in the paint for that last uh, basket when they had Jordan Poole switched on him. It didn't but, look like yeah. it wanted to go in, but it went in. So thank you. <laughs> it also looked like a, a, a Samson uh, t- uh posted this it also looked like there was a little bit of confusion on that last play where that wasn't exactly how it was supposed to go down and then oh, basically Pascal was like okay yeah after Scotty I mean Pascal looked a little confused Scotty looked a little confused and then Pascal just went to the top of the keys like basically like give me the ball <laughs> so and it ended up working because Poole was switched on to him which I not ideal for the Wizards for Poole to be switched on to Pascal but, but yeah, you're totally right about, you know, a little bit of a change over the last few games with, you know, it's been featured to uh, feed Pascal a little bit more and play to his strengths because that was uh, a, a lot of talk over the last, I mean, but the first few games, it's like, oh, Pascal's not really engaged. He's not happy. He didn't get the contract, which, you know, and, and that I feel like that's fed into a lot of, you know, discourse so far early in the season when it comes yeah. to Pascal getting respect it's all based on him not getting a contract and over the offseason everybody's wondering you know what is the Raptors plan versus with Pascal even the media day comments kind of got bl- blown up because it's like he has to what does he have to prove he's you know he's had two all NBA seasons so it just it just felt weird even the unself i mean the the selfish comments yeah. it felt like it was directed at him a little bit it, whether it was where or whether it wasn't it was kind of portrayed that way so yeah. that's why i feel like a lot of fans have been on edge when it comes to pascal like giving him his flowers especially over the last couple of games the way he's been playing but yeah just play to the play to the strengths both pascal and scotty can you know put in work in the post uh, you've seen them take turns a little bit this, this season with that. And obviously, like I said earlier, the spacing doesn't help. It's kind of a detriment. And again, that's pro- that having Boucher and Flynn, who can both knock down a perimeter shot, what I feel was huge in, uh, yeah. uh, in, the, in the second half for them to find a little bit of space to score. And that was the whole thing when trading for Yak in the first place. Like, he helps you in some areas. And then in some areas, he's like, he's kind of in pascal's way for driving lanes and stuff like that so it's kind of been a delicate mix and how to incorporate like everybody and have a somewhat some resemblance of a half-court offense oh oh boy yeah no it's it's (laughs) it's been a project darko has a tough job ahead of him um okay so let's i wanted to sort of ask you so like i said 10 games into the season Five wins, five losses, two and three in the first five games, three and two in the next five games. We're starting to see the Raptors. We're starting to see what this Raptors team looks like, right? We've seen the best of the best, the Milwaukee game, which yep. you're going to get too much of those. And you've seen, you know, as bad as it can get, the Boston game, which hopefully we don't see too much of those. 
funnily enough, those are going to be two teams that we're going to see uh, this week, Milwaukee and Boston. So it'll be interesting to see how those two rematches go. But before we get into those games, I want to ask you, what are you looking at to see normalize? In the first 10 games, we've seen some things kind of, uh, we've seen the team sort of oscillate between good and bad and different things like that. But what are you looking at and saying, this still looks odd to me, and I'd still like to see maybe in another 10 games, this number look more normal. For me, it's free throw shooting. For you, what is something you're looking at? I'm going to look at a player specifically yeah. inst- instead of a team stat. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to get precious. I'm s- it's It's hard for me because... I still have the end of the 22 se- 2022 season in my head where Precious was, Precious was amazing. Yeah. He was shooting 40. 40- Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He had a stretch, a long stretch, a two-month stretch where he was shooting 40% from three. I'll never forget the game against Philly where he just came up the court and pulled up for three right away. And I'm like, what is this? Yes. Like, is, is this a thing? So it, it just obviously last year was very, uh, it was, you know, a lot dealing with a lot of injuries. So he's kind of in and out of the lineup. And then this year he had the groin injury that took him away for about five or five or six games. And then it's just like, since he's come back, like he had a really rough stretch in the second quarter. It was like three possessions in a row where uh, he, he, you know, he got a lot, got a lob, couldn't like, kind of fumbled it. And then he got, uh, I think he threw a bad pass. And then another play where he had a feed right in front of the rim from, I think, Pascal, I think, and he fumbled that. And it's just like, it's, it's just, I'm just waiting for a precious to kind of find his footing. And especially like when he, you know, he's right offensively. He's also a plus defender where yeah. that, that can help. So it's just, just trying to find him and his confidence back. And I think a huge play from Precious in this game when the Raptors were making that were making that comeback is uh, he jumped the steal in the backcourt and then ended up yeah. with a dunk and cut the lead to like 12 or something like that. So I'm just looking for more plays from Precious in a sense where like like Malachi earlier in the season, early in the season when, you know, things weren't going well and, you know, could have gone another way. Like they could have just put him on the bench and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting for Precious. And then I, I'll add a second player to this. Uh, Jalen McDaniels. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where he fits if he fits at all period because he had well he played like four and a half minutes in the in the second quarter and it was a really weird lineup and I there was just the Raptors were just running a bunch of dribble handoffs between him and Precious and it was like where is this even going so 
like if we're talking a full rotation with everybody healthy, he's probably like the 11th man or something. I'm 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 just thinking in my head, is there even a fit at all? So I don't yeah. know what you what you think about that. I'm it's interesting. I mean, if he continues to has he had a, a single point um in this NBA season? I don't think. I think we're 10 games in and I don't know that he's he scored. scored. I don't believe wow. he scored a single point. Um, I'm gonna check that. Right. You please fact check that because I I don't want. He had five it. points against oh. Philly. Oh, That's you know the what? Time yes, yes. I forgot the Philly game. And he I, made I three. Walk out. Yeah. Yes, yes. I forgot the Philly game. Okay. He's, he's two had... for seventeen on the season. One for eleven from three. He's had and a game. He's a... had a game. Yeah. Yeah. This and this is the guy that doesn't. He has not really taken a lot of threes. Uh, even like last year, he only made half a three per game. So having such a high volume of threes per shot attempt it's not is, really his style either and, it's like they're again it's like forcing guys on the perimeter that don't really shoot and it's just i don't know it's because obviously he has tools as, as a defender but you can't be a complete complete minus on the offensive side of the ball and basically play four and five and that's why he didn't come back in the game because that was during the stretch where the wizards just ballooned early and it's like this is just not working at all it's tough it's it it because it, you're going to need him to shoot, right? Like he's gonna need to shoot, and that's not part of his game, like clearly right. as we're seeing. Um, I yeah, he both of them. Okay, so both I think your picks of both Jalen McDaniels, I was about to call him Jaden, and um and Chris, uh, sorry, Pascal Siakam, yeah, the Jua are I think are both really important because we've we've talked a lot about the Raptors bench really struggling. And I think a lot's been made about in the last few games, Scotty Barnes is net rating, Scotty Barnes is plus minus what he's been doing out there. And I think it's unfair because those bench lineups that he's been asked to lead uh provide right. him with nothing that Scotty Barnes needs in order to excel. Like spacing. Um like the one thing that he needs. But um with with Precious, we we talked about it a bit. Uh I mentioned that sort of Jakob, the Raptors are not really closing out with him uh, a lot of games and you kind of have to find his spots and Precious can be your sort of switchable center, right? He can be right. your, he should be your switchable five. He should be that sort of when you want to go small, a player that you throw in there. And so the Raptors are going to need to rely on him, but he's got to just be better on the offensive end. And he's quite frankly, got to be better on the defensive end as well. Cause you got, uh, who was it? I think he was out there guarding Tyus Jones. And I was like, Oh God, precious. Like I, I can't, I can't <laughs> watch. I can't watch any more of this right now. Like you're breaking my heart, buddy. Um, Cause I, <laughs> I do believe a lot in Precious Achua. I, I I don't know that he'll ever go back to shooting 40% from three. I think maybe no. that 2022 season was an aberration. I don't think he's ever like, uh, we're, we're never seeing him drop Joel Embiid or whatever he did in that like one game <laughs> in that series. Um, although, you know, Embiid falls quite often. So maybe, maybe it'll happen. Um, but like with Precious, yes, it's important to really see that step up. And for Jalen Daniels, the Raptors really brought him in here for because they really like big wings who play defense and don't shoot but um also you need him <laughs> like he just he fits in but um either just gonna need more from him so I completely agree I think the bench as a whole is something that we really need to be focused in on and those are two really important bench contributors Otto Porter has been good for this Raptors team he's been like I, I've been a bright spot Grady Dick are seeing it been a bright spot yeah he was kind of a part of that six point run to end the the first half that broke my actually, heart actually but precious also yeah sorry please yeah just 
since you're bringing up Grady, um, just yeah, he had he had those back to back threes because obviously he's come up three, and yeah. struggling, yeah, shooting this season. So that was great to see. But more importantly, in the third quarter, he grabbed a series of offensive oh rebounds to keep possessions alive. That was yes. huge. That no one was gonna like really remember all that much. Yes, but. He had one of those offensive rebounds, and I I think he was trying to throw it off someone actually, but he ended up finding it ended up being an assist to Precious for a layup. Yeah. So I think cut the lead to ten or something. But yes, just exactly having a knack, been. yeah, just having a knack for you know finding spots where the ball is going to come off the rim, and he seems to have a he seems to have a good feel for that. And yeah. you know, just doing little things like that. Uh, Darko was talking about him after the game, like offensively, um, he has a tendency to pick up his dribble after one dribble. And they've kind of been on him to like take a few more dribbles to see what happens, even if you can get into the paint before picking up your dribble, because that kind of kills all the momentum of that possession. He's big. Yeah. So they uh, just they've been working with him on that. But yeah, I I, I just like the little things he does. And, you know, the the shooting will come because his shooting mechanics are great. It's just one of those situations where, you you know, you have a stretch where your shots don't fall, but you can. It, it it will come, but I just like this. Yeah. I just like the fact that he's doing other things as well. That that's helping the Raptors win games. And you know he played twenty four minutes. He he played twenty four minutes in that game, and it was you know he did a lot of he, he did a lot of contributions in that twenty four minutes. Completely agree. So I, I completely agree. I think Otto, Malachi, and Grady is like those are the three guys that I think have like shown stuff this season. I'm like happy with with the output that we're getting. Mal, um, Grady's a rookie. You're going to get some of like he's a rookie. He's sort of finding his way, but he's really proving that he's more than just a shooter. He's not just in here for his shooting. He's proving that he's more than just that. Otto Porter, Otto Porter's really big as well. <laughs> like Otto Porter is like he's 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 been so big for this Raptors team. Also, um, double entendre there. But um, I I think that like and then we're seeing the sort of next step in Malachi's Flynn's game. And granted. Things are gonna go like we're 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 in a good stretch. There will be some st- tough stretches as well, but hopefully that next half of the bench also really steps up because that's and then Chris Boucher who like uh, of course, but that next uh, part of the bench also steps up. That's what we're sort of waiting on. So I completely agree in terms of like the bench being a thing that we're hoping to normalize because before the season began. We were all just talking about this team is deeper than they were last year. This team has more guys that they can go to. And I I still believe that to be true. I am not totally out or down on this bench. Like I think a lot of people are, Um, but hopefully that three point shot. Yeah, please. Gary, Gary's, um, Gary's injuries kind of untimely because I felt like he was, you know, coming out of his early season funk as well, just before this uh, plantar fasciata injury. Because I I think the last game before that he had I think that was the Mavs game where he had 16 points he had four yeah. threes I remember even having one of those you know one of those no 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 yes type yeah. of type of threes it felt like he he was coming into his own and that that's big for the spacing because a lot of times yeah. he will be the best shooter you have on the court so that would help a guy like that would help space things out for a guy like Precious. A guy like McDaniels when he's in the game, a guy like Boucher. So that would kind of help level things out. You know, uh, that that's a that's a finicky injury. You don't know how long like he would be out for that type of injury. It just it just kind of sucks for the timing because like he was coming into his own and that would really help out the bench. In all honesty, I like I wonder how long he's sort of been playing with an egging injury because to start the season, right. I'm like, Gary doesn't look like Gary. Like this, like there must be something like there's got to be something ailing him. And he did have the Dallas game where we saw him sort of break out into something. But when it turned out that it was plantar 
fasciita, fasciitis, something. Um, when it turned out that it was one of those things, like that that foot thing, um, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Maybe that's what's been what's nagging him, and that's why we're not seeing a Gary Trent Jr. that we're used to. Like I even talked about it in the video that I made last week. Even his free throws are not going in. Like uh, Gary's shot has just not been there in a lot of ways, and we started to see the breakout of that. But like. I have to imagine I'm like in my brain, I've just decided he was dealing with a nagging injury. It looked like it on the court anytime he was there. And so hopefully he gets this rest. He can heal up and Gary can have a contract season that he should have. Like, I'm like, yeah, rest up, be easy because hopefully he can make his money. Um, That's always, always a really great thing. It's hard to see a player struggle in his contract season, which is I think what right. we got a little bit from Gary at the beginning of the year. So let's now, we talked about it a little bit, Boston, Milwaukee, those are the two games coming up. We're playing Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. Now this is going to be a rematch. Milwaukee Bucks have been struggling a little bit. There's, um, they're trying to figure out a new system uh, under Adrian Griffin there. And um, it's been, have you, have you watched any Milwaukee Bucks outside of the Raptors game? Yeah, I've seen a couple of uh, Bucks games. Uh, at the first, the first game, and credit to Philly, they've really taken off since then. But the, I, I want to see even the first game surprise me because it, at, sometimes they look dominant, and then it's like, why is Philly so close in this game? Because I, I was really down on Philly coming into the season, you know, the whole Harden drama and blah blah blah. So I just, I just figured that you know this probably would be a down year for them. Credit to them, they settled that out really quick. Yeah, quicker Harry's than I thought they would. Been phenomenal. Yeah, had a fifty point game the other day, but uh. Lillard started this season r- struggling shooting wise. He's under forty percent from the yeah. field. I-, I think it's thirty seven. He's like shooting twenty six percent from three. Like that I- that game against Philly to begin the season, he was dominant. But since then, it's kind of been a bit of a disappointment. But then you know, Blazers fans are saying this is exactly what he did last last season to begin the season. So don't sleep on Dame. So I won't sleep on Dame. Like you'd be stupid to at this point. We've seen a huge sample size from him. Yeah. Um. But defensively, I think more than anything, they've really struggled. Yes. Uh. Obviously, that's going to happen losing Drew Holiday, and they have to figure that out more than anything. I feel because remember the Raptors had probably their most fluid offensive game of the season against the Bucks, and you're not used to that like the last uh, half decade Milwaukee's always been a top five defense sometimes leading the league in defensive rating so just to have the ball fly around against them like Shooter was doing spin moves around Dame and stuff like that all the all the passes but over his shoulder to Yaka Yaka and stuff like that like that's not you're not used to seeing that as a Milwaukee Bucks defense especially with Giannis and and um Brooke Lopez. Lopez right there there was a there's a possession I remember in the fourth quarter of that game where Scotty had Giannis guarding him and he just basically went right through him and and drove it on him and just you're not used to seeing this from a Bucks defense so they on both sides of the ball I feel like they really have to you know figure it out and then also you look at a guy like Chris Middleton uh you're gonna the, the Bucks are going to need him to go anywhere where they want to go. And he was coming off, I believe, knee surgery in the offseason. Yeah. So they've kind of really kind of like eased him in. Like he was on a minutes restriction. Probably I, I want to say it was like 20 or 25 at best minutes per game. And they, they were trying to ramp him up. I don't know what he's played over the last couple of games, but you know, I feel like a lot of these kinks will work themselves out eventually they are six and four despite all of this but obviously i Losers. think everybody expected 
I I think everybody expected them to come to get out to a little bit of a better start. But yeah, you know, starting with Dame and then Chris Middleton and then figuring out their defense, I feel they'll get there eventually. It's probably a good thing that the Raptors are playing them this like second time in two week in two weeks and both of them at home. Get them in early. Yeah, get yeah. them in early before they find their footing. So I like yeah. this. Yeah, and uh, like I, I've been listening to some sort of uh, like I've been watching Bucks games and listening to Bucks media as well just to see what the feel for the team is. And I think uh, Adrian Griffin had a quote where he was like, "Okay, if your coaches need to be smart enough to listen to their players," and uh, so someone, some Bucks player, went to him and was like, "Hey, we had we had a pretty good defense. It, we played the drop quite often, and you know what? It worked right. for us because Brook Lopez was phenomenal. And hey, Giannis appreciates when when Brook is back there. Um, and yeah, so they've gone to uh, and Adrian Griffin's like, you got to be smart enough to to listen to your players, and he's listening to them, and we're starting to see things like things are slowly starting to change. And I think it's a big thing when you have a rookie head coach and it's his first time there and you're working in these two superstars and lofty goals of championships and players are aging and you're trying to figure things out. And they're like, hold on, we have a system and our system actually pretty good. Um, And so, yeah, I didn't actually catch their last game and uh, that wasn't great, but um, they're, they're finding, they're finding their footing. So it'll be interesting. I think the Raptors game really was the wake-up call for them. It seemed like of like, mm, yeah, let's fix things. And they they did uh against the Knicks in the next game. Um, so so what do you predict in that game? What are you what are you looking at? I just can't see how they played the Raptors a couple weeks ago. And I, I can't see the Raptors having that fluid an offense against them again. I, I feel like it will be a little bit more of an uglier game than that. Because I don't know, that just felt like too pretty a game. And obviously the the shooting is it with the Raptors is not consistent but I just feel like they'll take something from that game and be like okay we're not allowing this to happen again so I don't expect the Raptors to score 130 points the, the, how's that for starters I don't expect that um hey that's I mean the big prediction that's a bold prediction <laughs> yeah way to go out on a limb <laughs> so I, I, it'll be it'll be a little bit more of a tougher game um I, I as far as for anything else, I don't know because again, they're they're still figuring things out, and I don't even like a guy like Middleton doesn't even play in every game. So and then Dame Dame missed a game the other day. So yeah. in some ways, you don't even know who's gonna play game in and game out. They're figuring it out. Like you you look at a uh, Phoenix, another team with uh, high expectations, and they even ha- they haven't even had Katie Booker and Beal in the same game all together yet. Yeah, that's and been a problem. It's already been a it's already been an eighth of the season. I know it's just ten games, but that's already an eighth of the season that's passed by. And obviously, they got to develop chemistry and stuff like that. So you know, it's just a wait and see approach. Yeah, I completely. Uh, Giannis agree. will be Giannis, and then we'll see what happens from everybody else. Hey, I'm with you on these bulls predictions. I, I honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they. This is gonna be personal. I feel like Giannis is gonna be like, okay, this team embarrassed us a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna predict a loss, and I'm doing that in part because I was like, we're gonna beat the Blazers. Like, what are we talking about? Like, the Blazers game. Okay, let's look past that and let's focus on the next game. And what did they do? Sure enough, they lost to the Blazers. So I'm never gonna overlook a team. Um, the Blazers also been playing much better basketball since I had that right. podcast so shout outs to them but um for that reason I'm going to predict a loss here and the uh yeah sorry actually I since you bringing up you know Giannis taking it personally um OG I know he cut his I know he's cut his finger someone needs yeah. to keep an eye someone needs to keep an eye on him stop doing chores get someone else to do your chores like why are you doing chores so it's, anyway. it's a task rabbit thing we can help you out OG 
But the last game, OG was huge on Giannis. Huge. Um, yeah, and it was funny. Giannis was even being asked after the game, what did OG do to slow you down? And Giannis was just like, I don't know. He said that multiple times, I don't know. So, you know, he had, I think, I'm pretty sure he had a season low in shot attempts. So did Dame, by the way. And that will be a big factor on the Raptors' potential success for the, that game if OG can come back after missing this game here. I don't know. I don't. Even, we don't even know right now which hand he cut. Like, is it your shooting hand? Yeah, yeah. Like, no should idea. we know? And we don't know how bad the. I mean, enough to miss no. We the have game, no idea. But like, have, not a lot of information. So obviously, if OG is playing, that changes a lot on how they can defend Giannis. If he isn't playing things get a little bit more complicated. So, you know, OG's yeah, your universal stopper. It doesn't matter if it's Wambanyama or it doesn't matter if it's like a, a, a smaller guard. You just yeah. throw OG on everybody. So. he Yeah, he literally went from Luka to Wemby to Luka to, he just, he, yeah. Um, so he can do that, but he can't handle a household chore. OG, a man <laughs> of mysteries. Uh, I want to leave you off with this last uh, thing because this will be the last pod I have before the first NBA in-season tournament. So question to you, what are your thoughts on the NBA in-season tournament so far? And um, what do you think is going to happen in the first one that the Raptors play against the Boston Celtics this Friday? It's interesting because I believe, well, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like everybody else has played an in-season tournament game already except the Raptors. I feel like the Raptors are the last team to do this. Some it's teams so have played long. two. Some teams will probably even play three of them before the Raptors play their first. So it's truly bizarre. So um, it's I, I I guess they do it on Tuesdays and Fridays, and I believe there was like eight slots for the for the, for you to play your four games. So I believe the Raptors are taking the next the last four slots to play. You know their their four in season tournament games, so the, the group play. Um, the courts have been something. <laughs> uh i've kind of gotten used to some of them i cannot get I used like to the red ones the red, yeah, the red I, ones are not good the, I, I also can i say don't love the sure. raptors red court the paint is too red it's too red and that it's too <laughs> red everything is so red i'm like I, I i need a paint to be painted so it's better than if it were like bare because that went with like the claw marks like i don't paint your paint guys like to the 30 teams around the league it's called a paint for a reason it should be painted make it a color but the raptors like i think it's the fact that like out of bounds like the sidelines and baselines are all red i think they used to have becomes, that black outline yeah. like the north with all in a different which, language which so I think kinda, yeah there's a little bit of a contrast and when it's like that's red and the paint is red i'm like oh this is like like it's like it, it just like carry is the vibe i get movie what would you say Stephen was King. since you like some of the in-season tournament courts which one would you say is your favorite right now definitely not indiana's um i'll tell you <laughs> that much um i'm gonna be honest boston's looks like milwaukee i turn on the game i know i'm watching boston i see celtics on the baseline like it says it i know yeah. it but i'm like milwaukee like my brain is like where's Giannis? like i just can't help but see it it looks like milwaukee's court in fact it looks like it almost looks very similar to if you guys if you remember a few years ago, Milwaukee had that court that was really slippery. And yeah. um it reminds me of that court because that court had like weird designs on it for whatever reason, although those were like triangles, but like that cream color and the green. I just see Milwaukee when I see it, so I don't love it because it's confusing. Like you're also the parquet is missing. Yeah, I think like, it's you're the Boston. first time so if you ever have played par- with all parquet. 
So they should have incorporated. I don't understand why they didn't. They find requested a way to, to. I think oh, they okay. requested to do it, and yeah. they were told no. Oh. I don't know the reasons behind being told no, but they, that was something they actually wanted to keep, and it just was. It just wasn't allowed. Um, Indiana's is bad. Uh, Toronto's you know what's good. weird. You know, yeah. what's, you know what's what's weird? Washington. No, I was um, gonna say I like that one. I was gonna say that's on my. But shirt it's list. weird. It's weird. It's gray and like teal. Yeah. They, yeah. I think. I think. I believe they were playing the Hornets, and I'm just like, yes. okay, are that's the Hornets what... the home team or the Wizards the home team? Like, what's going? Why are you? Why do you have the Hornets colors? Like, what's going on here? <gasps> okay, that was literally. I turned that game on and I was watching it, and I was like, oh, I like the Hornets court, and I was like. Oh, wait, this is the Wizards court. Oh, it was literally that game. And I was like, still a nice court. <laughs> like, still pretty nice. So yeah, that's on my short list too. Cause I think I just like like the same thing with the Raptors, that sort of like gray smudgy look. Uh the Raptors mm. are like this charcoal black. Uh do you have a favorite court? Uh I don't know. I was watching the Phoenix game the other day, and that one yeah. looked like a pop tart with the purple yeah. and the blue. <laughs> um I, I I guess I'm more conservative. I was okay with Milwaukee's court because it was probably the one of the easiest on the eyes where you just yeah. had the you just, you just had the green in the middle, but then everything else was kind of light colored. So that was kind of yeah. easy to follow. But and this was coming off watching Indiana's court and Chicago's court is absolutely hideous. No, I can't do that one either. So so yeah, that was coming off of that one that that same night. I think that was the first night where all these courts came out. So that was that was kind of easy on the eyes. Um I, I follow the Nuggets a lot. I was yeah. in Denver for the the championship. Saw so that. That's pretty yeah, cool. So that, How's that? That? Was cool. that was pretty cool. I happened to pick the perfect quarter where they were raising the banner because I had no oh, idea nice. where they were going to raise the banner. It's not like the Nuggets have a lot of banners and you're like, okay, they're going to raise another one in that corner. All you're seeing is Colorado Avalanche banners. There's probably like two Nuggets banners that I didn't even notice until I saw the banner going up. Like I'm 11 rows in the corner going up right in front of me. And then I look up and it's like, Oh, there's like one division banner or something. Oh, that's where they're raising them. So now if I ever go back, I know exactly where it is. You know where it is. There we go. There we go. No, that's very cool. Very cool. Uh, I'll leave you with one last question. Prediction for that first NBA in-season tournament game for the Raptors against the Boston Celtics. Well, that first game was very ugly. So, you know, like, like I guess like Milwaukee on the flip side, you just hope that they would take something from that game. Also, remember... Joe Mazzulla challenged something like in a 27 point game with three minutes left and Darko didn't like it. You know, hopefully that, you know, Darko I mean, revenge game. I, I mean, at, at that point, that's kind of like manufacturing, like something. Bulletin yeah, board something material. Like, yeah. It's like, like, do you really need bulletin board material to beat the Celtics? But, you know, it's something, it's something for us to play off of a little bit, you know, I would love, I mean, I'm a very petty person. I would love the Raptors to, you know, have a nice little 15 point win and then call a timeout with 10 seconds left for no reason. <laughs> oh. And, you know, I, I would love for that to happen. You know, just like, just a little drama, have a little drama. You know, sometimes, sometimes regular season games can be a, dra- a drag a little bit. So they you can know, be. just have a little bit of drama. Jason Tatum um, was I'm phenomenal having... in that game, but I'm like, was, guys, we got to do something to stop him. Bring like Nick Nurse back because Nick Nurse would never don't don't actually bring Nick Nurse back. I just mentality for a singular game where we just try to stop the star for a little bit, guys. With this in season tournament, I think my biggest struggle is trying to remember who's in what group. So yeah. obviously, I know the the Celtics are in the Raptors group, but then I I don't think there's the rest of the group 
is that big of a challenge. I believe it's like Chicago, Orlando's okay. I don't like and to I talk about remember. Chicago. Haven't gotten over it yet. Oh yeah, that 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 game that game was. You know, you know what's funny? Okay, so uh, uh, one of my other jobs, I put together highlights for TSN. So, like, a TSN game, the game will be done, and then they play the highlights right after the game on SportsCenter, and normally it's me putting together those highlights. Very cool. But on a game like that, it's a complete what the hell, because it's like, you think you're wrapped up. It's, you know, five minutes to go, Raptors up 17, you put in a lot of good Raptor plays, everything's, you know, all great. And then everybody starts jumping on every single DeRozan fake. And all of a sudden, game's tied going to overtime. And then, you know, that break going from the fourth quarter to overtime, you're sitting there and you're just pissed off. And it's just like, all right, I have to start over. What the hell do I do now? So I'm not over that game either for no. I have PTSD from a work perspective because it's just like that bothered me in two ways <laughs> as a fan and for work it's just like you created valid so don't even understand like why would you do this so. oh it was it was brutal valid 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 um <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today please tell everybody where they can find you uh my twitter link is in my bio it's follow me at jamar b-h-a-m-a-r-b-h uh, link to all my Raptors Republic work there. I have a recap of this game against the Wizards there. Uh, and like out, I guys. said, it was the yeah. first game. It was the it was my first game I got to go to, so it was fun to see the ebbs and flows of everything. Couldn't ask for a more up and down game, I guess. Uh, I also have a recap of this Boston game coming out on Saturday, the morning after, Thanks. and I'll have a, a preview of the Pistons game for Sunday. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you so much. It was a perfect week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and do all that fun stuff. Peace out. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.